Hi, and welcome to Hear Women Tell. I'm your host, Chris Hillenberg. This is where we interview professional storytellers to get the story behind the story. Today, we're going to talk to Megan Hicks. Uh, Megan is a uh, winner of the Parents' Choice Silver Award. She was a finalist uh, with the Audis. She's won the Storytelling World Honor. Uh, she's also won the Parents' Guide to Children's Media Award. And she's also been the National Storyteller of the Year. That's pretty impressive, Megan. Well, it looks good on paper, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you live in Fredericksburg, right? Yeah. Are you originally from Fredericksburg? Uh, no, I'm originally from Oklahoma. That's oh, really? where all four of my great-grandfathers homesteaded in Oklahoma Territory, so I'm the DAR of Oklahoma, as it were. Hmm. Yeah. And, and how... Of, oh, what? Oh, I was going to say, how did you get to, to Fredericksburg from Oklahoma, or was it a, a very long trip? No, it wasn't such a long trip. Um, I found myself in Oklahoma City with two kids and uh, supporting them by myself and looking around and not seeing much in the future for them or for us. I'm sorry, Chris, I'm messing up here. Uh, Not seeing much in the way of possibilities. Right, 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 right. Not much of a future that I could envision. So I went to graduate school and um, came out a librarian and took a job as a children's librarian here in Fredericksburg. How many years ago was that? Exactly 20. Actually, exactly 20, almost to the day. Oh, really? I moved here to Fredericksburg, yeah. Now yeah, you I didn't know a soul. <laughs> now, that must have been hard. It was, it was adventurous. It was, yeah, it was adventurous. Yeah. So in graduate school, you, you, were, you were studying to be a conservator? Um, preservation and conservation. That was... Yeah, that was my specialty and my focus in graduate school. But um, the paying jobs were in public librarianship. Yeah, right. And I had had some experience at a Montessori school as a librarian's assistant. And I wasn't afraid of preschoolers. Story time, the idea of doing story times didn't bother me a bit. And I Mm. love children's books. Um, So it was a good fit. I'm glad... You know, I'm glad the one door was shut and this is the door that opened right. because it was a perfect apprenticeship oh, for great. storytelling. Well, now, how did you get into storytelling? Well, um, it was at that Montessori school. Um, and one day my boss said, we're going to go for some professional development. And he took me downtown to the library and uh, it was a storytelling festival. It was Winter Tales, um, Mm. right? The last weekend in January, the first weekend in February. And um, I looked around in this meeting room and, you know, there's no books. There's all these librarians and all these, you know, nerdy looking people like me who obviously like books. And I'm thinking, where's the books? And we all sat down and then after a brief introduction, this tiny little woman, her name is Joya Tempanelli, um, she started telling the shoemaker and the elves. Mm. And that was one of my favorite stories as a little kid. I could just be transported whenever I'd read that story or look at the pictures in the book I had. And when Joya told that story, I felt something wrap around me and take me someplace I had never been before. Hmm. 
was like maybe three minutes, I was in an altered state. <laughs> and when she set us back down in the conference room in reality, and I came to my senses, it's like my identity crisis was over. Yeah. And I, I, I just said, okay, that's what I'm going to do when I grow up. Oh, that's, that's, that's my direction. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, you it's, you told it at a detention center, didn't you? Uh, detention, yeah. Um, yeah, the juvenile detention center here in uh, in Stafford. Uh, yeah. That must have been an experience. It was, well, you know, it was like when I realized that the young adult librarian who had been scheduled to make her outreach visit um, was sick that day, and they said, well, you've got to go because they're expecting somebody. And I must have blanched or something, but, you know, and somebody said, well, come on, you're, you're going to be perfectly safe. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't afraid for, for my safety at all. I knew I'd be safe. But when you're dealing with kids who are disenfranchised and disaffected, there's always the risk that you're not going to make any connection at all. And I could just mm. envision that it would be, you know, a long, long 45 minutes of me trying to sound chirpy and looking at the tops of their heads as they stared at the floor. Right, right. You know how you know how that is. <laughs> right. It, you know, and so I'm going in there with flop sweat and my heart beating and wondering what on earth am I going to tell. And... You know, the place looked like a middle school, except that there were cameras in the corners and the doors were, you know, made of steel and there were usually three doors and they all locked behind each other. Um, and, and I got in this room and it was all cinder block with a few chairs lined up and one table against a wall. And this is where I was going to be making my library outreach thing, my effort. And... In came these boys, and they were just boys. Hmm. I mean, 14 to 17 years old, but when you see a boy in shackles or a boy in manacles, and all of them in those orange blaze jumpsuits, and for every two boys, there was a big burly guard, you know, with a nightstick and a gun, and and there was no noise at all, just shuffle, 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 and the clank of chains, and they're sitting down. The men are sitting against the wall, you know, with keeping the boys locked in their vision, and the boys are not looking at the men at all. And um, somebody, I don't even know who, introduced me, and I just got, I guess, I don't know, a flash of inspiration or mischief. <laughs> because I thought, you know, if these kids have been this far into the juvenile or justice system, they have experienced the abuse of authority, and I've got just the story for them. And so I told a story that comes from India about two people who really did exist, Akbar, the great Mughal ruler, and his advisor, Birbal. And the story is about how Birbal, as a boy, comes to the city to 
meet Akbar. Akbar has invited him. He has a royal invitation, and so he goes to the guard and asks to be let into the royal city, and the guard starts dissing him and starts trying to humiliate him. And all this time, Birbal stands his ground without losing his temper. And he figures out a way to get what he wants and to bring justice to the guard and to show himself to be a very, very wise, capable young man. And so I'm telling this story, and before I know it, every one of those boys is looking right at me. Oh, that's great. And I've got them locked in. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't realize, because I was focusing totally on them, was when I was done, I let my eyes go to the side of the room, and every one of those guards was with me. Oh, that's great. Uh, it's amazing. Storytelling so powerful. It goes places. Man. Yeah. It goes deep. Yeah, I know you say that you uh, you pull your living out of the air. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know it seems like that, but it's there's a lot of work to and preparation to uh, doing that as well. Oh, that doesn't mean it's effortless. Mm-hmm. It just means that there's nothing palpable with which I earn my keep. You know, it's it's what writers do. It, it's what actors do, dancers, um, and it's it's not easy. No. Um, a lot of slogging a lot of times. <laughs> so, yeah, so I mean, I can imagine that must have been probably one of your toughest audiences. And that was really one of my best. Oh, really? Because, yeah. yeah, yeah, because... Because I felt I felt like something real was going on there. It was it went way beyond entertainment, mm-hmm. and something was going in deep all the way around. And they were giving me so much. Um, yeah, they were giving me uh, wealth. I mean, right. I know what you're saying because really, uh, it's not it's not just a one way when you're a storyteller for sure. I mean, you're oh, receiving so much from the audience and in their expressions and their reactions. Uh, you can tell. You can really tell if you're connected to that listener. Well, it's co- storytelling is collaborative art. I mean, from the backs of people's heads. If, if you're standing in the doorway looking at the backs of the heads of those kids sitting on the cafeteria floor. It looks as though they're passive. It looks as though they could be watching TV. But if you're standing in front of them as the storyteller and you're engaging in those faces, in those expressions, in each of those unique realities that everyone's making, all the stories going on, you can see how collaborative it is and that there's there's not just one artist at work, there are hundreds of artists. Right, right. At the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty heady stuff. Yeah. That's, that's that's you're absolutely right. That's a great description really. Hey, listen, we're going to take a a little break right now, but we'll be right back. Um, This is Chris Hillenberg with Hair, Women, Tell, where we interview professional storytellers to get their story behind the story. We'll be right back with Megan Hicks.
Welcome back to Hear Women Tell. This is Chris Hillenberg, where we interview professional storytellers. Today we're getting the story behind the story with Megan Hicks. Um, Megan, what's, um, what sort of um, storyteller organizations do you belong to? Oh, gosh. Um, not nearly enough, but um, I belong to the Virginia Storytelling Alliance. I am a past president and past vice president and charter member, and um, so I've been with them from the get-go. I'm currently an active member in the Northland Storytelling Network. I have been a member of Lane's. It kind of depends on whose conference you want to pitch a workshop idea at, Mm -hmm. you know, who you join. Um, I'm sorry to say my membership in NSN has lapsed, but mm-hmm. it's been a really slow year for me. And today I was thinking, can I buy postage to put on the flyers I'm mailing out to Virginia schools or right. send my dues to national? <laughs> and you know, national's just going to have to wait for another month or two, I think. Yeah. I'm awfully sorry, but that's the way it is. Yeah. But you there, now, do you belong to a storytelling group uh, or anything like that? Um, well, I've got, I've got a group of story buddies that uh, we get together four to six times a year. There, I guess there might be 10 or 11 of us um, from all over the state, and we find a time when we can get um, together in one of our houses. Often it's here at my house, and uh, we just spend the day working on our stuff and you know, asking people for the kind of feedback we we think we need for what we're working on at the moment, and that feedback that I get is is priceless. Mm. And then I have friends that I can call who love me enough to actually listen to my stuff while it's you know still in its its raw stages. And there, uh, you don't do this alone. I mean, in as much as storytelling performance is collaborative. At the state I'm in, at the stage I'm in, the stories themselves um, have a lot of group effort going mm. into them. I, maybe you outgrow that. When no, you I don't it. think so. I don't know. But, no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, I haven't outgrown the need for other ears, you know. Right. What sort of the, what sort of stories do you tell, Megan? Oh, that's the hard question. I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> you know, I I once. Not too long ago, I blogged about the fact that I have no niche, and that makes it so that I can't, I can't say it in a soundbite. You mm-hmm. know, um, I love fairy tales. Um, I don't have that many in my repertoire, but they have a very, very special place in my heart. I love um, history, and I've got some really good, strong history stories, mostly. About the Civil War, but then I, I have some World War II stories that my mother has actually saved for me and given me, and you know it's sort of like passing the mantle on. There, mm. her stories about when she was a teenager and the U.S. got involved in World War II, and you know how she went from high school student to war bride. Mm. Um, and, and there's a lot of history in, in that one. So there's some history stories. There's um, my fractured fairy tales, which I hope to tell in a few minutes. One of those. Okay. Those are the nearest and dearest to my heart because mm-hmm. I have always loved parody. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I tell some personal stories. I'm starting to tell more and more of those these days. Mm-hmm. And it kind of depends on what the schools are asking for, kind of how I fish for stories and tailor a program. Um, but honestly, if I were choosing, I may not choose the ones that I do. I feel as though the stories have chosen me Right. in, in many cases. So, you know, I, I, can't, I can't afford to say, I'm sorry, that's not, that's not the niche I'm trying to cultivate. I'll... I'll have to send you on to someone else. <laughs> you know, if it comes knocking at my door, it bites me on the ankle. Yeah. It says, work on me. I'm going to tell the muse thank you and sit down and get to work. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, you do a lot more than just storytelling. You do this, these things called tangibles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I took a look on your website uh, and saw them. Uh, and if you want, you can tell the folks your website right now. Um, my website's uh, meganhicks.com, M-E-G-A-N-H-I-C-K-S.com. So, you, so, so this is, um, I guess you, you said you, you want people to look with their hands. So uh-huh. these tangibles, um, it's, it's kind of like, do you have an arts and crafts background? No, I'm, I'm totally, totally, well, I'm not totally self-taught anymore because I've been to some classes, but um, I have no... I got through all of my education without taking one art class. Yeah, I'm just totally surprised because I'm. I looked at your stuff and I thought you must have been an art major or something. I mean, it's so. You know, I like abstract. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I do too. Oh, so you know, it's all this found materials, threads, buttons, and material and stuff, and mm-hmm. and uh, but the way you put it together, well, I just think. I really believe that if someone is creative in one area, they can easily be creative in another. Well, I have to make, I mean, it's it's almost as much a need as having to tell stories. I, now, with storytelling, I I have an audience, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have audiences and, and I have uh, palpable evidence that this is my vocation, this is my calling, this is my profession. With making... Uh, it's mostly, you know, just for friends and for me and for the kids who come into my studio and want to play with stuff. <laughs> yeah, but you do have a studio, the Liberty Town Art Workshop. Uh-huh, you, you have yeah. an actual studio. So, I mean, there are a lot of artists out there that don't have studios. I know. Well, my studio is 96 square feet, so it's not <laughs> much of a studio. <laughs> yeah. I love that, Louise, as you say, you make these and you give them to people to as thank you gifts and things like that, which is really yeah. cool. And they're just little characters, it looks like, that you, you come up with. They're just little figures, and they kind of work like, um, well, I kind of try to work a prayer and a blessing into them all. Mm-hmm. And that sounds a little woo-woo, but these were from my friends that I really, really, really felt I I owed a deep debt of gratitude to for many things. And I just wanted them to be really special. So I I sort of cleared space and made space to really focus on that friend while I was making her Louise, or his Louise in one of the cases. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I feel like I feel like they carry a little bit of freight with them. Mm, yeah, yeah. Now you're also the origami swami. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. 
Yep, that's the truth. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, I am one origami swami. Um, I do. That's another kind of storytelling I do is paper folding with storytelling, and that's either in performance or in workshops or in professional development. Mm. Um, because here's the power of story again. If you put the instructions for a simple origami figure into a narrative thread, people can remember the instructions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for a sure. A lot quicker than they can memorize, you know, seven steps. Oh. And so I've I've got about a dozen stories for very simple little origami figures, and they're they're magic. Oh, yeah. I mean, I watched the Valentine puppy video. <laughs> yes. What a, a diff, the ending is such a nice surprise. That's kind of how they all do. It's sort of like a paper magic show. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, well, that's what she's been telling the story about, and that's what she's been folding while she's been telling. Yeah. Who knew? Oh, it's great. Kind of like draw and tell, only it's fold and tell. Right, 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 right. Uh, now, you do workshops too, right, Megan? Mm-hmm. What sort of workshops do you do? Well, the origami workshops, mm-hmm. I do those in schools for classrooms and also you know, with grown-ups, librarians, and teachers. Um, I do writing workshops. I've done some really, really sweet writing workshops with our local hospice organization Mm. um, for people who have lost loved ones and just want to honor them with some kind of memory, how to turn that memory into a story. Mm -hmm. Um, And writing workshops for people who think they haven't lived interesting lives we kind of put a backdrop of world events behind their lives and say okay where were you on the day that this happened right right and all of a sudden the floodgates open Mm -hmm. it's it's amazing um other workshops oh 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 i did a really fun one in april in uh, wisconsin i did uh crack me up which is fracturing fairy tales Mm -hmm. and I've, i've managed to figure out a little um system for it you know, I, I call them my little hammers to fracture the fairy tales with, <laughs> and they're little um, little tools that you can use to get in there and figure out what about this fairy tale can be fractured and can, can be made funny. Ah, that sounds great. It's it's a hoot. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell me something, just uh, briefly, because we have uh, like a minute and a half left uh, for this segment, but tell me a little bit about What's Your Story? And the uh, oh oh the um the documentary You're right, that right, right. Uh, Kaleidoscope Pictures did uh, last year on Ocracoke Island, Donald Davis participated, and a bunch of people who came to his um, week long workshop uh, participated in a film project funded by the Ashton Foundation of Utah to um, do a storytelling like a series to encourage people who don't consider themselves storytellers to find their family stories and show them how how possible it is mm-hmm. and how, how fun and fascinating it is. And it's going to be airing on BYU TV, I believe, beginning in January. And then PBS stations uh, across the country might pick it up. I don't know how that works. Oh, I hope they do. Yeah. I think it would be great. Well, we'll take another little break right now, and we'll be right back with Megan Hicks. This is Chris Hillenberg on Hear Women Tell. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Hear Women Tell. This is Chris Hillenberg, uh, where we interview professional storytellers and get the story behind the story. And we're back with Megan Hicks. Megan, I know we were just talking about uh, the documentary, What's Your Story? Tell me about the mm-hmm. Angel movie. Oh, that was that was out of the blue. Um, two minutes, two months after filming of the documentary on Ocracoke, I got an email from a guy named Clint Ross in Savannah, and he said, I'm doing a documentary on... Sergeant Richard Kirkland, and I'll be in Fredericksburg, and I'd like to interview you because I understand you have a Civil War story that deals with his his story. And this is a, a guy who distinguished himself through an act of compassion and battlefield heroism during the first Battle of Fredericksburg, and Clint was doing uh, his senior thesis from... SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design, mm-hmm. on him, and so I, I went and interviewed, and um, he got the, he got it all done. His advisors love it. He's been getting great reviews. I got to go to the premiere of it uh, about a month ago, in Fredericksburg here, and there was standing room only, standing ovation. It, it's just a beautiful project about, um, about a really human being mm. and um, it's I don't know if you want to know more about it that the, the website for the project is called theangelmovie.com oh cool yeah okay now I know you have a story for us you said you had oh, a, I do. a I fractured do. fairy tale why don't you go ahead and tell it okay uh, this is my fractured fairy tale called Groundhog Godmother and you just kind of got to go with me on the groundhog okay okay so it makes sense eventually Soon, actually. She'll make sense very soon. Okay. Okay, here's how it starts. Cinderella's sisters were trying to get her to put down the mop and get ready for the ball. They said, Cinderella, it's such a drudge. Come on. If you come to the ball, you might enjoy yourself. Just give it a chance. Yeah, said her youngest sister. I mean, think about it. There's all these cute boys from neighboring kingdoms. There's great music. There's good food. And Come on, I bet I have something you could wear. Cinderella thought a root canal sounded more fun than hanging out at a royal ball with her stepsisters. She said, oh, guys, you know, I haven't mopped the scullery floor since Tuesday, and I need to alphabetize the spice rack tonight, and, and look at the curly endive out there in the garden. It's overgrown with weeds. I've got to get out there and take care of that right now. All right, said the sisters, be a stick in the mud. And they went to get ready for the ball. Later on that evening, scullery floor gleaming, spice rack in dewy decimal order, Cinderella looked up from the row of endives she was weeding. Lights from the palace reflected off the clouds. Music wafted on the breeze. She sighed. She wondered if she would ever find anything she enjoyed half as much as apparently her stepsisters enjoyed dressing up in skimpy little dresses and hanging out at royal balls. You want to go? There was a voice behind her. It's not too late. I can get you there in under 15 minutes. Cinderella whirled around to see who was talking, and all she saw was a fat groundhog sitting on her haunches eating slugs from the beer trap that Cinderella had set out the night before. The groundhog 
held one of the slugs up and said, you know, I like this beer marinade thing you got going on. Good texture, low sodium, great flavor. She popped it in her mouth, swallowed it, and stifled the burp. Cinderella stared, dumbstruck. So are you going to the ball or aren't you, said the groundhog. Why would I want to go, said Cinderella. Well, because you would be beautiful and enigmatic. The women would be jealous of you. The men would want to hold you in their arms. And who knows, the prince might even fall in love with you. Oh, I get it, said Cinderella. You mean like a Mary-Kate and Ashley after-school special, (laughs) right? Except that, A, I'm not beautiful. B, I'm about as enigmatic as a cold shower. C, I don't even own a dress. D, I lack the requisite fairy godmother to put the package all together. And on top of all that, I read in the paper this morning that the prince just got his second DUI. That doesn't sound like anybody I want to fall in love with particularly. <laughs> the groundhog was nonplussed. She said, but, 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 but they assured me this was just the thing female humans dream of. Yeah, well, I never bought the dream, said Cinderella. Or, I don't know, maybe I just know I don't have what it takes to make the dream come together. You know, the looks, the clothes, the charm, the fairy godmother. Maybe it's just a bad case of sour grapes. The groundhog said, well, I concede that you are somewhat plain. And your personality is brace. No, it's blunt. Your your taste in clothes is, uh, shall we say, subdued. But um, while you don't have the exactly regulation fairy godmother you're talking about, you do have one ace in the hole you may not know about. You got me. Here, the groundhog flourished a wand and sent fairy dust flying. Cinderella said, and you are... Your fairy groundhog, for heaven's sake. Isn't that obvious? <laughs> uh, right, said Cinderella, my fairy groundhog. Of course, of course. Why do I have a fairy groundhog? The little sh- creature's shoulders slumped, she said. You're disappointed. They warned me. They told me no human being with a shred of intelligence would give me any credence. All right, all right, I know when I'm defeated. I'll never get to test my magic now. I'll never get to find out if this stupid wand does anything besides spit glitter. <laughs> who, who is this they you keep talking about, Cinderella said. My faculty, the teachers at, at Gaga, the teachers at Gaga, Grimm's accredited Godmother Academy. I'm in my final year. You were supposed to be my senior project. See, I'm to find a disconsolate ingenue, a martyr if possible. I, I give her a whole hair, face, wardrobe, makeover, and send her off to a social function and fix it up so she finds true love. I see, said Cinderella. I'm not helping any, am I? No, you are not. All right, I'll go to the ball. Just promise me, please, no ringlets. And I refuse to wear foundation garments. 
the fairy groundhog got right to work. Her wand flew, and in ten seconds there stood Cinderella, hair combed straight, manicured, wearing a long silk skirt and a long black silk T-shirt. This is awesome, said Cinderella. I like it. Well, we're not done, said the groundhog. We have to accessorize. It's 20% <laughs> of my grade. Bing! Gold hoops decorated Cinderella's ears. Zing! A diamond pendant hung from her throat. Bing! A Gucci bag draped off her shoulder. Bibbidi bobbidi boo! There stood Cinderella tottering in a pair of three inch glass high heel shoes. She said, Lose the footwear right this minute! <laughs> I can't do it, said the groundhog. I can't do it. The footwear is mandatory. It's the test for permanent transmogrification. I can't. I can't. Cinderella said, well, I can't walk. And if you want me to go to the ball, I have to be able to walk. All right, said the groundhog. And in a half-hearted attempt at passive aggression, she turned the three-inch high heels into Converse All-Stars, 16-hole lace-up glass tennis shoes. <laughs> Better, she said coldly. Cinderella looked down and said, Oh, these are awesome. Oh, well, fancy that, said the groundhog. Now, to get you to the ball, which would you prefer, a coach or a limousine? What's wrong with a taxi? Within five seconds, there it was, humming in Cinderella's driveway, a green and black vintage checker cab. Yes, said Cinderella. The groundhog was about to tell her to be home by midnight, but Cinderella rendered the groundhog speechless by scooping her up and stowing her in the Gucci bag. Finally, she was able to say, What do you think you're doing? I want to make sure I have somebody to talk to once I get to this social function, said Cinderella. Well, as it turns out, Cinderella had a ball. By the time she arrived, the prince had already passed out under a table, so there was one option that wasn't even on the table. <laughs> her sisters caught sight of her from across the crowded room, but before they could come over with their screams and their air kisses, the caterer mistook Cinderella in her black skirt and black T-shirt for one of his own black uniformed crew and sent her off to the kitchen for a fresh tray of hors d'oeuvres. In this way, Cinderella found herself happily occupied with the courteous, well-spoken caterer whose twinkling eyes and balding pattern she found utterly irresistible. The groundhog feasted on escargot until she had eaten herself into oblivion. <laughs> there she snored within the supple folds of the Gucci bag until the gonging of the midnight clock. She heard the clock gong, and she scrambled in a panic to the top of the bag. She said, oh, Cinderella, Cinderella, quickly, we got to get out of here. we got to flee. The magic wears off at midnight. But at this point, Cinderella was aware of nothing but the flutter of her own smitten heart. She and the caterer stood in fond embrace, right beside the walk-in freezer, sharing love's first kiss. It was a long kiss, too. It lasted all 12 gongs of the clock. In the ensuing silence, a soft ding, zing, ding signaled Cinderella's return to normal. 
there she stood, hair flying, grubby fingernails, torn jeans. The caterer took one step back, he grinned, and he said, cool trick. <laughs> well, as it turns out, Cinderella is delighted she went to the ball. The fairy groundhog passed her senior project with honors, but she never went on to get a licensed certified fairy godmother degree, an LCFG, because in her senior practicum she saw some Disney movies and learned that American fairy godmothers show up for work with bad hair and bad prom dresses. She said, no, life is too short for taffeta. And she opened a fashionable little lunchroom in downtown Gobbler's Knob, Pennsylvania. Cinderella helps her by stocking her with slugs marinated in beer, and her caterer friend is generous with cooking tips and recipes. You know, as a result of that one excursion, Cinderella is now half owner in a thriving restaurant. She's dating a prince of a sweetheart. And honey, let me tell you something. That kid has got some glass converse all-stars her stepsisters would die for. <laughs> Oh, Megan, that was a great story. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I wish we had more time. I could talk to you yeah. forever. Ain't but we don't. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell people how to get in touch with you? Yep. My website, MeganHicks.com. That's about as straightforward as it can be. Yeah. And your email address? Megan at MeganHicks.com. All right, great. I've really enjoyed this. Thanks so much for spending some time with well, us today. Chris, thank you so much. I've had a ball. Oh, you're welcome. This is Chris Hillenberg with Hair Women Tell, where we interview professional storytellers to get the story behind the story. Stay tuned. With uh, We're going to have Linda Goodwin with news and reviews coming right up. behind the story with uh, professional storytellers and now it's time for reviews with Linda Goodman so Linda I'm really excited you have a review tonight for Megan Hicks that's right I'm going to be reviewing her, her very first CD Groundhogs Meets Grimm yeah I was going to ask her about that where did the groundhogs come from I think next time I talk to her I'm going to have to ask her I think there's a story behind that Oh, there is a story behind it. I don't know the full story, but when I first moved back to Virginia in 1998, I was the correspondent for a an internationally distributed storytelling magazine called The Tale Trader. And one of the things that I did was profile. So I wrote a I interviewed Megan and wrote a profile about her for The Tale Trader. And she had mentioned to me during the interview that she doesn't send Christmas cards. She waits until February and people aren't bombarded with cards. And she writes 
a groundhog story specifically uh, for that time of year and sends it to everybody. <laughs> and and I've been on her mailing list a few years. They are they're delightful. They're out of this world. They're unique. Uh, this is a woman that can think outside the box. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, she's she's an all-around creative creative person. If you go to her website, she does uh, she does a lot of um, kind of mixed media found items art that's just really mm-hmm. fabulous. Fabulous. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got a piece of her of her trash art here in my house. Is it a, one I of those? Love lo- it. Is it one of those Louises? It's a little lady. Uh, um, looks like she is, you know she's got a round barrel middle and uh, uh, mahjong tiles for her feet. She's carrying a little wallet. Hmm. Um, face looks like it's made out of a miniature CD, but it's just it's wonderful. Oh, that's great. Well, I've got you... a pair of her origami earrings too. Oh yeah, I mean I can't imagine she's the origami swami. Yeah, the origami swami. Uh. Well, okay, go ahead and give us the review then. And she's the storytelling empress now, I see she's calling herself. Oh, is that right? On her newsletter, yeah. <laughs> Which is a great title for her. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, why don't you go ahead and give us the uh, review? Okay, this is a, it's a very clever, uh, as I said, it was Megan's debut um, recording. And on this recording, Groundhogs take center stage in some of Grimm's best-known fairy tales. For those story lovers who may think that this is rather odd, my advice is suspend your disbelief, relax, and prepare yourself for a laugh fest. These innovative tales twist old favorites into humorous and surprising hybrids that will tickle the funny bone of even the staunchest curmudgeon. Mature children will delight in the plots, while adults will chuckle at the underlying wit. And you know, Megan's a very witty person. Mm-hmm. Did you ever wonder why we celebrate Groundhog Day? Three Little Groundhogs and a Wolf answers that question by relating the story of an industrious groundhog who is befriended by a role-seeking actor wolf whose inner pup has been wounded. Never doubt the value of a good public relations man. Hmm. That's the moral of that story Mm -hmm. to me. The Miller's daughter and Groundhog Stillskin who does not want to become a gold-spinning drudge, finds her ticket to freedom via a groundhog who bemoans the fact that he's cute, the kiss of, kiss of death outside Disney Studios, and is often mistaken for a computer-generated Muppet. Much to the dismay of the groundhog godmother, the Cinderella she encounters, would rather have a root canal than hang out at a royal ball with her two stepsisters. With her two stepsisters, I'm stuttering tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, determined to finish her senior project at Gaga, that's Grimm's accredited Godmother Academy. <laughs> the shy grandmother, the sly grandmother, will not be dissuaded. Compromises are made, and Cinderella's transformation is not what the traditional listener has come to expect. The story of the three groundhogs gruff examines the relationship between a health-conscious troll uh, troll, and three groundhogs who ultimately decide to seek work in a a mellower uh, piece of folklore. Groundhog Blocks and the Three Bears features three bears who seem to come right out of Stanley Kubrick's movies 
and a groundhog who has a lot in common with one of folklore's most notorious juvenile delinquents. The Fisherman and His Wife is retold with the groundhog of common sense rather than the fish as the prize catch. As the fisherman complains about the disappointing results of his wishes, the groundhog bemoans the fact that it's getting harder and harder to amaze them. The times in which we are now living leave us yearning for a reason to laugh. With this CD, Megan Hicks has, provi- has provided the best medicine for what ails you. Yeah, she she was a great person to talk to, and believe it or not, she did tell um, she did tell the uh, Cinderella story. Uh, so that'll be that's perfect. That was a great description. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Linda, and we'll be right back on Here Women Tell with the news with Linda Goodman. This is Chris Hillenberg, your host, where we interview professional storytellers to get the story behind the story. Back to Hear Women Tell. I'm Chris Hillenberg, your host, and now it's time for storytelling news with Linda Goodman. Linda, what kind of news do you have for us tonight? Well, I've got three items that are coming up. Um, one is on the weekend of September 24th and 25th. That's a Friday and Saturday. Storytelling workshop called Storytelling for the Christian Soul, being held at Trinity United Methodist Church in Chesterfield, Virginia. Uh, it starts at 7 o'clock Friday night, the 25th, goes to 9, and then it starts again from 9 and goes to 5 on Saturday, the 25th. Did I say the 24th for the 25th for Friday? You said the 24th. Okay, 24th and 25th, that's right. I got okay. my dates right. Okay. Um, the charge for the course is $25, and uh, that course will be taught by yours truly. Oh, great. So if you're interested, um, if anyone is interested, just send, send me an email at happytales at AOL.com, and I'll be happy to send you the information, okay. more details. Moving on to October, we have the Lone Star Storytelling Festival being presented at the Frisco Library in Frisco, Texas. Uh, there are going to be daytime performances geared toward younger audiences, uh, student storytellers will be a part of each performance. The featured tellers, Sue Rosenberry, Antonio Sacre, Willie Claflin, and David Novak, are going to be sharing stories suitable for adults and children ages 10 and up. And I think I said Rosenberry. Her name is actually Sue Roseberry. Oh, okay. And that's in Frisco, Texas, if you are interested in yep. attending. Frisco, Texas. J- I'm sorry. Yes. What was the date for that? 
That is October the 9th. October 9th at Frisco, Texas. And, and October 8th, October oh. 8th and 9th. 8th and 9th in Frisco, Texas. Okay. Yes. And anybody interested in attending can email JJACKSON2, that's JJackson2, at FriscoTexas.gov. Or you can call 972 292 5669. And at the end of October, the 23rd and 24th, Julie Cameron is going to be hosting a women's workshop on creativity and spirituality in Sedona, Arizona at the Sedona Creative Life Center on Schnebley Hill Road. Uh, the workshop will um, last from 10 to 5. It costs 225 Julie Cameron, by the way, is the author of The Artist Way, a groundbreaking book credited with helping millions of people live authentic lives. Right. And if you'd like to attend that workshop, you can email info at a woman's way dot com or call nine two eight two five four one eight nine seven. Oh, Sedona is such a beautiful area too. I've never been there. Oh, it really is beautiful. It's just so different. You know, they have the red rocks, uh, the the uh, canyons, the cliffs and stuff. We actually, um, I can't imagine going to a storytelling event there because it's just, you just get, they, there's a lot of people who feel that the Sedona area is the vortex of the universe, the spiritual yeah. vortex of the universe. And Well, there you've got a workshop on spirituality. I can't imagine what that would be like. So, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's just beautiful area, uh, great for hiking. Um, the scenery is just incredible. It's just so different, you know, because it's all oh, yeah. desert and everything and mesas. And But, anyway, well, thanks, Linda, for sharing. Uh, well, one other just thing. We've, we've okay. talked about this on a previous show, but okay. don't forget – the National Storytelling Festival is the first weekend in October. Oh, yeah. October 1st to the 3rd. And the, I'm sorry, what was the date again? October 1st through the 3rd. Through the 3rd. In Jonesboro, Tennessee. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's great. Thanks so much for providing us with storytelling news, Linda. You're so welcome, Chris. And so this is Chris Hillenberg with Hair Women Tell. Uh, we will see you next week when we interview professional storytellers to get the story behind the story. Bye. Mm-hmm.